Welcome back in another Garage Talk podcast with Jason Allen. Joe Tate back in the garage. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Man, I was thinking about you the other night. I saw a post you put up on Facebook, and I've been kind of monitoring some of the stuff you've been posting, and it's been a wild time in the state of Oregon. It has. And I uh, thought, man, you know, this, this podcast for me is a couple things. One is uh, talking to interesting folks, and the other thing is kind of like my own therapy session, you know, where I just uh, invite friends and interesting people over and we just talk about things and sometimes we're laughing and sometimes we're crying and I was just thinking about you the other night and and some of the posts you had put up and some of the conversations that you and I have had over the years that we even had during the podcast yeah and then to see what happened with these fires and it's just the past couple of weeks have just been unbelievable yeah it's I mean it, it seems like a lifetime ago that you sent me a text on like a Wednesday or a Thursday saying, Hey, I drove through Mill City, Oregon, uh, on the way to, to up to Portland. And then, you know, I think I reached out to you a couple of days later and said, I mean, we got hit hard last night in the Canyon. That was before our fire happened here. And I, I think maybe it was the day our fire happened here in Southern Oregon. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride since the last podcast because we were like around, it was about 11 months ago. It was right around. It uh, was Halloween. November. I just looked. It was yeah. right after. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, before Corona, you know, I mean, life has changed a lot since the 11 months that I was here. I'm hoping this can reset it. Well, <laughs> it's know. crazy to, to talk to some of these people. I talked to Michael last week and he's been a guest a few times, but I've had a chance to touch base with a few people who have been on the podcast. And there's so many people who have been a guest on the podcast, which by the way, Joe was episode nine. If you're tuning into this and you didn't listen before you should have, cause there's some great gems in there and uh, it's definitely worth a listen, but so many people have been impacted in different ways by many different things from wildfires to COVID to homeschool. And it's just been a freaking roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, uh, boy, I'm glad I don't have <clears throat> young children. This, this homeschooling thing would be you know, it's weird enough that I'm paying for college when they are in their apartments going to college. So, uh, and, you know, I thought my son, well, I talked to him yesterday and uh, he was taking his first lab online. So I don't even how know. How does that work? I don't even know how it works. He doesn't know how it works. He said, he said you know, I'm going to see him next week. We're going up to Lincoln City. He's coming over for a couple of days. And, uh, he goes, I'll, I'll share it with you, man. You know, I mean, I don't know how this works. So yeah, I, I, I never made it that far, so I don't really know how yeah, that all works. Yeah, this is his last year, you know. So, uh, what and, does he think of the whole thing? Well, you know, I, I think, I think him and his sister both, uh, they have, they're probably, they roll with the punches a lot better than, than I think most do. Uh, you know, they don't like it. Uh, obviously, it's dramatically affected their college experience but they're making the best of it I mean you know I I think that based on the numbers that I'm seeing coming out of colleges I mean they're still having parties oh yeah I mean, uh you know and Courtney had told me that you know she's up at Washington State and Pullman's been hit hard you know she said that uh yeah there was a, a lot of parties happening so I saw somebody on Twitter tweeted about University of Oregon and they said something about 60 people, a group of 60 this weekend, the current weekend, we're just wrapping up on the hunt for a party. 
<laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, they're not going to stop. No. Them. You know, and I just I just heard, and I don't know if it's true, you know, I heard it on Dan Patrick, you know, and he typically, you know, he's a pretty liberal guy, and uh, he does some uh, quite a bit of research. He said that, you know, 48,000 students so far have tested and positive in the country, and only two have been hospitalized. So it has to be difficult if you're a student to take it seriously when you know that the the odds are in your favor to survive. Yeah. I mean, it it does, you know, I mean, I, I have, I have had two friends of of acquaintances of mine die from COVID. So, but just like me, you know, they were overweight, uh, ex smokers, heart problems. I mean, you know, these are the things that that are taking people out. It's not necessarily the COVID, but, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I had to have a little surgery thing last week. So I did my COVID test, you know, you're like, Hey, Oh boy, I passed, you know, (laughs) I mean, um, you kind of wish they'd say, no, you, you, you've already had it, but yeah. uh, What does that mean though? If you've already had it? I don't know. I, you know, I, I, my wife, uh, says that, to this point, there isn't a total proof that um, that you become immune to it. That's what but, I heard. But most of the people that that have got it a second time throughout the world, they they're not sure that their first COVID test was correct because they were early cases. Mm-hmm. And you know, even when it first started, my wife, you know, had two or three different patients right at the beginning that that fell into the COVID protocol. So, you know, they, I mean, when they would do the testing for the nurses and stuff, I mean, they were getting false positives or no answers, or they knew they had COVID and they and they were still testing negative. So, you know, it's gotten better. So, you know, I don't know that anybody really knows. Well, we have uh, an acquaintance who's a nurse. I don't say where she works just to uh, protect her identity, but she said, between 40 and 60% false positive. Yeah, that's about what my wife has told me, you know. That, and that's uh, crazy. You know, and, and it, I don't even know, like, I'm 53. I've worked around public my whole life. I can't say that I've been an epitome of health. I mean, I, I like to drink, I'm fat, smoked <laughs> for many years. I've never had the flu. I've been, I've had colds. Yeah, but I've never really had what would be that is the flu. You have the flu, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I mean, I've managed, and I I never got a flu shot until I had my first heart attack. I don't like them. I've I got a flu shot when I was a senior in high school. I missed two games of uh, our basketball season my senior year. Made you sick? I don't know if it was that, but I would assume so. Yeah, and uh, I never forgot that. And, uh, and my dad really encouraged me to get that flu shot and he knows, (laughs) I'm like, I never forgot that. I'll never forget that. And then I finally got talked into it. We were on the air and it was after I went to work in Medford. So it was probably at least, well, let's see, I was on the morning show 15 years after I got the other one, I ended up getting sick that year, but not Hmm. right then, but later I said, you know what? Forget this. I've, I never get the flu. So why would I get the flu shot? And even, and there's been some heated discussions inside this house and my previous house when my wife has gotten pregnant about getting a flu shot. You know, the OB doc says you should get one. I said, well, you know what? I'm still saying I'm not getting one. 
and it's not for fear of needles or anything like that. I just don't really believe in it. And you know what? That's the one thing that, and you know how I feel about St. Jude and they do a lot of research and put a lot of time and energy and effort into flu shots. They're part of the process. Right. I don't agree with them. I you just know, don't. I just, it's just my own personal feeling. I just feel like it doesn't work. Like I said, I've never had the flu. I mean, I, I'm no anti-vaccination guy or anything like that. I just, you know, okay, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. You know, and it's certainly not coming from my wife because she doesn't get them. She, she's had to recently because if you refuse as a nurse to get one, at least with Asante, then you have to, uh, wear a mask all winter and you know prior to COVID they didn't have to wear a mask all the time so you know this year she says well I gotta wear a mask anyway so I'm not gonna get one that makes sense you know I mean she just wanted to avoid wearing the mask so they kind of shamed her into it yeah but you know I mean I you know I I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that yeah neither am I because I think a lot of them are really important you know there's small small pox and chicken pox and all these things that we've We've done a pretty good job eradicating. I think the CDC's kind of proved that they can't stop a virus. I mean, they've been, I don't, how many billions do you think they've put into HIV? And they still don't have a cure for that. I mean. I don't even really want to go down that road because there's a lot of us that think that there's a lot going on yeah and i and i don't know what to believe honestly like if i'm just speaking from the heart i don't know what to believe and i think there's a lot of stuff out there that we're finding out is horse shit now what is and what isn't it's hard to know these days you know i mean i try not to ever discuss uh much political things because you know you you definitely uh, you know i sell cars for a living i mean i want to sell everybody i don't care if they're republican democrat independent uh it doesn't matter to me. I want to sell everybody a car. So I kind of try to avoid those conversations. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a studier of history and you know, history says we're going to deal with COVID for the rest of our lives in some form, at some form. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and you know, again, it, it seems to, be deadly for those of us that have conditions that would cause maybe the flu to be deadly or pneumonia to be deadly or any number of other things. It's just an added list now. We just added one more thing into the to the picture. I mean, if I get pneumonia, it's probably not going to be good for me. Yeah. You know? I mean, so you just approach life the same way you would have before or try and be a little more cautious? Or I, I mean, I wear a mask. Uh, I'm not, you know, if the building says you got to wear a mask, okay. I don't wear one in my office at work, but when I go onto the showroom, you know, I put on the mask and I expect all my guys to, and we'll follow the rules. I mean, I'm not trying to rock the system here, Um, but you know, I'm not, uh, I'm I'm not going to Hawaii this year because I don't want to be on a plane for seven hours with a mask on. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But I'm not afraid, you know, if, if, if I could afford a private plane, I mean, I'd go to Hawaii. I mean, I, you know, same. You know, it, maybe if we you know, pool our resources, yeah, we could pull it off. Maybe we could go to Millionaire. Maybe they, you know, they <laughs> rent us one and we'll go. And then we could do a couple podcasts from the island. And right. and I've never been there, so it'd be a great experience. Yeah. yeah. So you know, so this year instead of going to Hawaii, we're going to Lincoln City for vacation. Well, there you go. You know, so but uh, yeah, which is good. Good for the Oregon economy to get a little, you know, money circulating within yeah. itself. You know, it's. Obviously, when COVID hit in March, you know, I 
I expected the worst. I mean, I thought, man, maybe we're going into a situation like 2008. In fact, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it again. I'm not spending my 401k, maxing myself out debt-wise, selling everything I have to survive. I'm not doing it again. So, you know, I, we instantly went down and made sure my wife had no debt and um, we don't do much together. You know, we came into life old or older and I have kids, she doesn't. So, and uh, you know, I thought, well, my wife's an RN, she's gonna work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just make sure that, uh, you know, that she comes through this thing without too much pain. And, you know, I mean, I can't lie. I mean, car business was tough in March and April and it got a little bit better in May and better in June and better in July and August this month. You know, it's not that great, but I, that has nothing to do with the economy. I think that has everything to do with the fact that, that we suffered tremendous loss here in Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and... You know, the sad part about that is, I mean, there's many sad things about that, but we're going to have a slow month in September, but, you know, we'll probably sell a bunch of cars in October and November because there's cars that have to be replaced. Oh, yeah. You know, a bunch of used cars. And and I hate any kind of gain off of, uh, it's like survivor's guilt. You know, you're ah, it feels terrible to sell somebody a car because they lost their car in a bad bad circumstances. I don't even like to sell it when somebody, you know, gets an ice when we have a little snow and they wreck their car. So, you know, this but they, these are the facts. We'll probably sell a bunch of cars. Yeah. I like what you said though about and I know you and I talked about this, you know, on a phone conversation about what you guys did when COVID hit and we did a lot of similar things as far as like tightening up the the belt and making sure that things were in line to try and slim it up so that we weren't just bleeding and it's amazing how much stuff we spend money on and i know you and i talked about this on a phone call but just the between going out to eat maybe you're going to catch a movie maybe you're going to go to brit three or four times a year and all of those things that we didn't do this summer really helped us not doing those things it hurt those organizations or restaurants or whatever but it was something that a lot of people had to do and it's really an interesting case study if you were to look at it because we sold our motorhome and record RV sales all summer this year because people couldn't fly to Hawaii. And right. so they're buying motorhomes. And so we were looking at that payment going, okay, well, we only used it a couple of times this year, only a couple of times last year. They're selling like hotcakes. Let's get rid of this thing, put a little bit of money in our pocket, not have the payment. And it's interesting to see some people go that route. And some people are like, woohoo, yeah, let's buy yeah, some things. Know, I, I, I did say, and I think you and I talked about this, you know, I told my wife and like, August. I said, if you'd have told me six months ago I was going to be in a better financial position than I was in March, I would have never believed it. And, you know, we had some slow months. I mean, I, I work commission like anybody else, so, uh, or at least in my business. So, uh, but yet we weren't out spending. I mean, we, you know, for, for us, we both work a lot. So, you know, but the Brit Festival is a, a big thing that I sponsor. So I go to a lot of shows. You know, you're not going out to a night at the Brett and not dropping 150, 200 dollars. Oh, easily. You know, uh, we went to, you know, no duck tickets this year, no trips to Hawaii, which we usually go every year. Uh, I mean, it's it's shocking, and then you start to become kind of a little obsessed with it. So lately, saving. Yeah, lately I've been like, oh, uh, I don't have, you know, I need to not do this because I I don't want to touch my savings account. You know, yeah. so it's. Uh, it's been good in that in that way. I mean, uh, 
you know, and I, I really expected, and it still could happen, that things are going to get really weird in the retail side of things uh, during the election. Oh, yeah. Um, and it usually does. And right? it usually does, yeah. Uh, it, it, because of the loss of cars in Southern Oregon, I don't think it'll be as painful as it usually is. I mean, usually you can lock up in about mid-September till about mid-November, and you wouldn't lose a lot. Um, it's just people's minds shift, and this is going to be a really crazy election. So, um, you know, it, it still could happen, but it, I think because of what's happened to us here, we'll probably be, be okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I was talking to one of my neighbors, and I think he's getting ready to sell his house before the election. He's worried about what's going to happen, and it's just interesting to talk to different people to get their take on it. And elections are interesting enough as it is like presidential elections, but obviously, you know, if people were worried about what party was going to get elected in a normal year, they've hyped this thing up so much. They've made it. And that's what I don't like about the media. And I say this, I feel like every podcast episode, I'm so disgusted with the negativity on TV and on the internet that, you know, they'll take any situation and make it bad. Yeah. Even if it's a good one, they'll figure out how to make it bad. And that's, what's really discouraging. Well, it will be really interesting to watch the next few weeks um, how the Supreme Court nominee is treated as a female with a Catholic background. Um, and it's, she seems to be uh, a pretty staunch Catholic. So I, I'm interested to see how the females, especially Democrat females, will Will they treat her the same way that they attacked the last nominee, or will they take into account that hey, you know, she is she is a, a, a sister, so you know, it'll be interesting to watch. And a sister who has adopted African American children, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. And and I I don't know all the ins and outs of the pick and how it all came about. I'm not following it that closely, and and that's not. I, I really don't want to get into that, but it, it, it is interesting that that's how it all worked out, and it will be again another interesting case study to see how this yeah. plays out. Because even as much as you don't like to talk about politics, and even I don't, I'm getting to a point in my life where I want to talk about it enough to bring up the bullshit that's happening, and to know that people can actually sit down and still have a conversation in this country even if they don't necessarily believe the same things. And that's the biggest thing I'm having to struggle with right now is as a guy that, that is pretty, uh, not, I'm not, I'm definitely not set in my ways, but I grew up a certain way, but I'm also very open to other people's ideas. And so to see all of the fighting and, and, and name calling and all this stuff that's going on now is very well, frustrating. I mean, to I me. can't lie, you know, as an Oregonian, um, I'm very disappointed in our in our current administration um, in the state of Oregon. in the state of Oregon. Uh, I, you know, I I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I'm an Oregonian. You know, this is this is home to me and to you. And you know what you know what happened in my part of the community that I grew up in should have never happened. Um, it should have never happened. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and argue with scientists. Yeah, there's global, there is global warming. There is no question about that. There is climate change happening. Am I blaming it on cars or coal burning? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a car salesman. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I do know that history says there's periods of global warming and global cooling for millions of years. This we can see. Um, but I know that mismanagement of the forests is why Mill City burnt, mm-hmm. um, is why Gates burnt, it is why Detroit burnt, it's why the entire McKinsey River area burnt. It wasn't why we burned here in Southern. Oregon. No, that was a completely different yeah. situation. Two, di- two different monsters. Yeah. And I was talking to someone about that recently because they said, well, how do you explain that? I said, you explain it with the one or two, uh, time event in a hundred year period, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So it was a wind event that was a one or two time in a hundred year period type of thing. Perfect. worst storm. It was right. A, Just a like paradise was. Yes. And so we've had a couple of those now paradise was similar to the Almeda fire, but also similar to the McKenzie River area and the Detroit Lake and, and Mill City area and the fact that you have a ton of timber in there and overgrown forest. So it was a wind event and it was hot and it was dry and it was an overgrown. It was like a combination of the two. Yeah. And and I think that it's hard for people to separate and this is why I really wanted to have you over because you have a very unique perspective on the situation as far as you grew up in a mill town in a town that's called mill city you can't get much more mill than that no, I mean it's can't. in the freaking name I grew up in a mill town I've seen what's happened to our mill towns so that hurts my heart and I'm very close as I said in the last podcast with Michael I'm very close to a lot of good people in the logging industry and in the mill, in, the, in the mill industry but also I'm one of those guys who's very open-minded and I feel like there's obviously a huge struggle that's been going on for a long time. I talked to Steve Swanson about it, CEO of Swanson group. He sat right here in this garage and told me what he thinks the problem is and how much red tape and how it's turned into a political thing. And you can go listen to the podcast and hear more about that because I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you also know a guy who is an activist for the environment in mill city, which I want to get into that part of it too. So there's a, there's this there's this part of uh, society that wants to not touch the forest, and there's another part that used to rape the forest. Maybe I shouldn't use that term, but it, it's I, think I mean it's a we, fair term. I remember being in science class in the late '80s, early '90s, watching the videos on the uh, projector, yeah, and they would show the clear cuts, and it was crazy the amount of clear cuts. And I don't think if you talk to most of the timber industry today, they'd say they ever want to go back to that. And so to find some kind of middle ground, I'm kind of wandering all over trying to get to the point here is that there's no middle ground anymore. Like how do we preserve some of these pristine areas that are that, that some of those are gone now and how do we also manage? But we're again, like every other issue in this country, we're either all the way over here or we're all the way over here. And there's so many of us in the middle going, why can you guys, not figure out how to just come together, compromise. I know a lot of it has to do with money and politics, but it just seems ridiculous. Uh, well, it, it is ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, we had discussed in my last podcast here, we, we both grew up in the same kind of small town. Um, timber was what fueled my town. Uh, the birth of my town was all timber. I mean, you know, the ham and lumber company come up and built a big mill in the early 1900s and build a a train line and that's what 
fueled the community. Um, and, you know, even when I graduated from high school in 1985, um, it was still a good community to live in, prosperous. There was lots of work, um, middle class community. And, but the, the, you know, you, you had mentioned, uh, an environmentalist that I knew that I, that I respected a lot, that, that it was heartbreaking to me that he, that he did die in the fire. Um, a guy named George Atia. Um, George, you know, for those lifelong Oregonians, the name Atia should be familiar. His uncle was the governor of Oregon in the 70s um, for eight years, Vic Atia. And, uh, you know, George was a kind of a renaissance man, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, he was a, a guy that uh, I thought had the biggest set of balls ever. Um, he took on the timber community while he lived in Mill City, Oregon. Uh, you know, he was a pilot and, uh, you know, I wasn't close to George. I was young, you know, I was, you know, 15, 16, 17, when really uh, the, the Opal Creek fight really started. Um, I think in the early eighties, maybe 81, 82, uh, they had the forest service had put up clear cut signs at Opal Creek, which, you know, as a kid that, you know, for those of you that, that don't know where Mill City sits, sits about 35 miles east of Salem on the way to Bend. And, uh, you know, it's a small community of, you know, 1500, basically when I grew up, you know, it had Gates next door, which is about 500 and at Detroit up the road, which, you know, was six, 700 people, full-time residents. I mean, there was much Lots of people come up to Detroit in the summer to use the, the lake and have their boat and camp spots and cabins and such. But, you know, you're really talking, um, and all the way up to Idana, probably talking 4,000 people. So as a kid, you know, your parents give you a dirt bike. Uh, you know, for me, it was in sixth grade, you know, YZ80 Yamaha, and you're free to go. Uh, it doesn't take you long to learn all the logging roads, learn the deer trails, learn you know the roads you might that you probably shouldn't be on legally for a quarter mile to get you to the next spot but you know that was nothing that we ever worried about so for me the my playground became the north fork which is the north fork of the Santa Ana river and uh you know to me it's still the most beautiful place in the world and that's where opal creek was so you know there's an area called three pools that all these became very popular they were popular swim spots when I was a kid, but not like they later became. Um, you know, Salem inundated the the little north work of the St. E.M. River because um, they found out about it, you know. Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, you're talking crystal, perfect water. And um, it's just a fabulous place. So as I spent a lot of time there, Georgia Tia lived next to Elkhorn Valley Golf Course, which is where I grew up playing golf, you know, and my good friend Mike Carr's mom worked at the golf course and and the owner, you know, this was a, a nine-hole golf course that a man built with his own hands, okay? And for years, it was the top, in the top 10 nine-hole golf courses in the country, and no one knew about it, and it was perfect. I mean, in perfect fairways, you got canyon holes, and I mean, it was just a fabulous place, and so I spent as much time as I could 
as a kid on the Little North Fork, which eventually you end up at Opal Creek. And in those days, Opal Creek was, was gated off. It was a mine. It was Shining Rock Mining Company was the name of the company. And it was a, a mine in, you know, I don't know. At some point they used it as a mine. But George had figured out that, you know, he was a smart guy. He figured out that if you had uh, mining claims, the, the Forest Service couldn't come in and, and log. He just wanted to save this area, um, which later, you know, it, it was saved. Mark Hatfield, who was a, a Republican senator from the state of Oregon for many years, um, eventually signed it off to be protected land and and uh they set up um i don't know tra schooling and and outdoor schools and it never became a, a you know i i know you could go rent cabins there but they didn't build a bunch of cabins they they still had cabins left from the days that it was um a mining claim but when i was a kid i mean we would just go out there park at the gate and go in and we were local kids they weren't gonna kick us out you know mm -hmm. so and through that you know I got to really spend some quality time understanding what George was trying to do you know and as a you know as a 15 or 16 year old growing up in the canyon and all your friends are in the timber industry and you're hearing about you know at the same time that was going on the spotted owl started to come into play and you're you're starting to realize that y your friend's parents aren't working as much as they used to and you know for me I left in 1985 and I didn't return you know so I went on to to live life out of the lumber industry but you know my dad worked for PPL and he left in 1990 and he said you know he used to tell me I, I left because there was a better opportunity for me in in Independence, Oregon, but I never believed it. I knew why my dad left. My dad left because people that he had known for 20 years, um, he was having to start turn off their power because they weren't making money and he just didn't have the heart to do it. And, you know, so, um, so I see both sides of this. I mean, wow. I, I do know that, I mean, I was happy and, you know, later George was, I mean, you can look at some of the articles in the Statesman Journal about George. And I mean, he became quite revered. Um, and I don't know that he wanted to be. He just wanted to save Opal Creek. I mean, I think later, you know, he he was a pilot. So, he, you know, we if you get up in the air in the Mill City area on the San Am unit, the Willamette unit, you can see the, the ramifications of, of 60s and 50s clear cuts i mean they're they're there mm -hmm. um they're still there uh but you know i think that the logging industry learned from their mistakes and they fixed those mistakes um they became good stewards of the woods just like hunters do guys that are not these guys that paid to go to ted nugent's ranch and shoot something or go to africa and, and shoot an elephant those guys aren't hunters but we grew up with hunters it, it seems that timber guys they also like to hunt mm -hmm. and you know those guys they're not going out to rape and pillage in the woods they're going out to harvest an animal and they want more animals 
to come back. So they do the right things, and I and that's what loggers do. And through you know guys like Georgia Tia and, and these fights, it became you know the Earth First movement. I mean, don't cut anything down. Don't don't even venture into the woods unless you're just with your feet. Well, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to manage. It's like having a cornfield. You know, if you don't manage that cornfield, it's not going to be there for you in two years. I mean, you have to harvest it. You have to do the things to make sure that you can replant that corn and it grows for you so you can have it again the next year. It's the same kind of thing. It's just on a much larger scale. We've talked about it way before these fires. You and I have talked about the fact that going into the woods now, 20 years later for me, 30 years later, it does not look like it should. I mean, there is dead timber on the ground. Yeah. And dead timber on the ground, you might as well just set dynamite there. I mean, you know, it's crazy to think about, and I know I've said it a handful of times, I think, on podcast episodes since those fires that you're talking about. But the hair on my arms is standing up because I know I told you on the phone, driving from Bend up and over the pass, down through that canyon, I can't even tell you how many times I said to my wife, this is a disaster just waiting to happen. And I cannot believe, and it chokes me up to think about it. I cannot fucking believe it happened less than two weeks later, if not a week later. I I think it was, uh, I think it was eight days later. I mean, I drove down through there and it was beautiful, but overgrown and you couldn't, you can't see to the second or third row of trees. It's so thick. And to know that something else could have happened and it's just, it seems like we're so off the rails. I, I don't know what happens. And I was thinking about it today as we were driving home from Reading because there was, there's a new fire right now burning south of Reading and growing in a hurry. And they've already dealt with one, two. Well, they had the car fire and the campfire was in paradise. So there's been devastation all around there. We just had devastation happen here with the Alameda fire and Phoenix and talent time and time again, it happens. And the first thing people yell is global warming. It's like, we, we have to step back and tell politicians. I, I will say, and I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a fan of Kate Brown, but at least I did hear her say bad forest management. Okay. She's the only politician that I've heard say it. I've only heard her say it once. Yeah. I missed and, that. And, and I'm sure that, She's going to get a phone call from California saying, you can't say that. Yeah. Okay. But because they just want to blame it on global warming. I mean, you know, Newsom's gone right out and said, well, they, that after 2035, no combustible engine cars are going to sell, uh, which that's never going to happen. But let me tell you, I sell cars. You couldn't, I could pull a new BMW in here. We could shut the garage like we're sitting right now and I could start that car. And three hours later, we're still going to be sitting here drinking a beer. It's not going to kill us because we don't have enough emissions coming out of our car to kill anybody anymore. I mean, it, you, you know, it's just the fact that, yes, electric cars are great, but I can, I can give you the other side of that, too, and we make them. So, mm-hmm. But the reality is, yes, there, it, it's a warmer planet, but it, that had very little to do with what we saw in Mill City. You know what my biggest problem with the global warming argument is? And I'm not a denier. You know, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, just like you said. 
when we are pitched the idea that we're going to tax our way out of global warming, the solution is to tax people out of business and tax our way out of global warming to me is so beyond fucked up. I can't even, I can't get over it. Like I want to just scream and yell over and over and over again. How is taxing the shit out of us going to fix this problem? And I know part of the taxing is to get people to stop using old dump trucks and old log trucks or whatever, but there can't be any kind of solution that isn't just taxing the shit out of us. Like how come nobody talks about that? Is it just me that sees that and says, this doesn't make any sense. You keep wanting gas tax. You want a diesel tax. You want a highway tax. You want to open the door tax. You want a sneezing tax. It's like, what is going on? It's, you know, if politicians ran a business, they'd be broke in six months. Yeah. I mean, anybody that runs a business looks at politicians and we go, really? I mean, the way you run government, if I ran my business like that, I wouldn't make any money. Mm-mm. I mean, I, I would be broke very quickly to run it the way that politicians I'm not saying Democrats. I'm not saying Republicans. Politicians in general are bad business people. I mean, hell, Trump's a bad business person. Okay? I mean, I think he's got six bankruptcies. You know, I mean, it, it is, he, he's not a great businessman. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see, if Warren Buffett wants to run for president, I'm voting for him. Don't care what his stance on a lot of things are. I, what I care about is, is our country going to be financially stable? Because if it is, we have a chance. Oh, yeah. If we're not, if you're not financially stable, you can forget matter. about everything else, Nothing whether else it's matters. whether it's the environmental fight, whether it's the political fight, whether it's the rights for any person fight. If we're upside down and all starving to death none of that even matters it's it's like and i try to explain this to my son the other day okay has a has the united states abused um our natural resources yes we have i mean no question about it uh so we as a country can scream and yell and stomp we're gonna fix this but if you're in india where you just got a chance to get your first refrigerator, you're that far behind, you don't care about global warming. You don't care about emissions. You just want that refrigerator in a car that you've never had. Yep. So Entitlement not, is and, what it comes so, down yeah, to. I mean, right? we are not going to be able to stop what has happened. We can recognize it and do our best to fix it, but we can't fix the world. And the world is going to continue to burn coal. The world is going to continue to drive cars that burn gas because they're that far behind. And we've had refrigerators and we've had cars and we've had these things. So, I mean, we can police our own country as best as we can, but not at the detriment of our own country. And, you know, unfortunately, no different than our fires in Medford. The people that can least afford it take the damage from it. I mean, Mill City can't afford this. Gates can't afford this. Mm-mm. They can't afford it. I mean, they have struggled as communities for 30 years since the spotted owl. Struggled. When I moved to Mill City in 1973, there was one, two. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say there was nine 
working lumber mills and a few small ones that weren't even on the map, but they were still working lumber mills, okay? Within a 20-mile area, there's now two, Mm -hmm. okay? So, you know, two, they're not any bigger. They didn't take and, and triple these mills in size. It's just that few of jobs that are available in the canyon. And if you're not logging, because the mills aren't big enough, well, then those jobs are gone too. So, and no different than than all the um, manufactured home parks that burned down in Southern Oregon. Those people can least afford what just happened to them. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it happened to some of the lowest income <laughs> and, and people. It, you know, and it and it's sad. Our our community is never going to recover from this the way we 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 would want it to. You know, the way we'd want it to is, okay, in a year, everything's fixed. But, I mean, my brother-in-law's a contractor. He's busy for three before this started. Mm-hmm. I mean, so is every contractor in Southern Oregon. You know, the manufactured home parks. If you're the owner of that ground, you're going to rebuild it or you're going to sell it. You're going to sell it. You're going to take your money and you're going to sell the property and it's going to go to somebody that's going to come in and build a housing. I mean, subdivision they're, 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 or yes, they're apartments build, or something. They're going to build, you know, 30 homes on that ground. And there's never going to be that inexpensive place for somebody that that's all they can afford. Yeah. That's I mean, what's the hardest about this is to look at those people. There's a lot of migrant workers and there's a lot of elderly. Oh, it's, that that's it's, all they could afford it. And I don't know what we do now because there was, I don't a, know there was a housing shortage before. And that's what I talked to Michael about. Like, what do we do? It's sad. They move. They leave, right? A lot yeah. of people will leave. And, and we'll, we, le- we'll lose a lot of good people, we'll just like Paradise did. lose a ton of good people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, like I said, this had, what happened in Southern Oregon has nothing to do with forest management. Except for the fact the Greenway's been overgrown for years and they don't yeah. do anything about it. And... You know, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother issue, but you know, it, uh, it's not going to be the community that we want it to be because, uh, a good portion of that community is not going to be here. They're going to leave because mm-hmm. they have no choice. They can't afford to live here. You know, I mean, because you it, have to find a place in the short term just to put a roof over your head. Correct. And how long are you going to hang around or live with relatives until you finally say, you know what, I can go east or west or north or south, wherever you choose to go and find a place to live. Yeah, and it, it is sad. I, I mean, I I often wonder for the last two weeks, I thought, what if that wind wouldn't have died down that night? Because it died down a lot. Mm-hmm. Or what if that wind would have been pushing to East Medford, where I live? It was working on it. It was working on it. But what would the response of the community be if Rogue Valley Country Club burns down and all those houses along there? And, you know, it would have been different, the response, okay? Because your doctor or your boss or the owner of your business lived in that neighborhood it would have been a different approach you know and I think Medford's doing a great job I think I mean I think the outpouring is huge Mm -hmm. problem is the outpouring 
needs to be for the next four years. Can we sustain? We can't sustain. Right. I mean, you can't. I mean, in until the next tragedy comes, you know, the next round of COVID. And they say, okay, well, we got to shut down everything again. Everybody forgets. Oh, wow. Well, we, don't, we can't help those people right now. We've got COVID. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Are you empty over there? No, I got a little bit left. All right, well, but it's a good you, beer. Even, even though you aren't empty yet, I'm going to grab another one first. You got quick. it. Because it's good. And then we'll give them a nice little plug here. Yeah, they do a good job. Now I'm empty. What's that? And now I'm empty. <laughs> Took that thing down. Oh, I had a nice dry weekend. I shouldn't say nice dry weekend, but I was uh, down in Reading, as I mentioned earlier. And um, so I did not partake in any refreshments. But these are, uh, they're not paying me to talk about them, but they're awesome people. Kelsey and Troy were on the podcast early on. They were in the Army and some uh, Army intelligence. They are part owners in a weekend brewing, and they've got this fresh hops and i meant to ask her if it's i i think it's live fresh but i'm not sure if it's live fresh or live fresh you'd think it'd be live fresh right it's just l-i-v-e but you could i think i unplugged myself or something or you just you bumped Uh, i might have bumped the thing there you go i'm back back on yeah anyway I think it's live fresh, and if I'm messing it up, I apologize. But the whole idea was that the IV, they got the fresh hops from the Illinois Valley. Oh, okay. And so it's a, a fresh hops, and I had to do some research. It's like a wet hop. Normally they dry them out, uh-huh. and you dry hops, I guess. I don't know a lot about making beer. but Me neither. Anyway, it's a limited time thing. So I went down there the other day, and then I had to go back and get more. Hey, uh, on that note, since we're talking about your past uh, podcast, what about those people that uh, went on the road in the motorhome? Have you, have you had any talk with them? Yeah, she just put out a single Yeah, uh, to radio, actually, last Friday, this past Friday, so just a couple of days ago. Uh, Erica Corbin is her name, and Erica and Matt and I, uh, they're the, Joe's referring to them. They were on a couple episodes ago, and they sold their house, like $400,000 house, bought a motorhome, and hit the road. They've spent a lot of time in South Dakota, because and, South Dakota is very friendly to yeah, RVers. Yeah, because and the, so many people working at the oil yeah fracking so anyway and they i guess they're just very open to RVers, you know putting stakes in the ground there so they've been there for a while but she they promised me that when they get done they're coming past here to go to washington and they're going to pull in i said you got a spot i've got hookups so i uh i reminded her last week when she sent us her latest single i said don't forget the this is still happening like you have to come in to the garage let the kids run around. So they're still out there doing it. Oh, they're making music. They've got, I mean, you should check her out. Check them out on Instagram, Facebook. They're all over the place. And she's posting stuff every day. They record music in the enclosed trailer, which if you listen, you know that. But Well, uh, it's a good thing that uh, they didn't like pack up their life and decide to move to Nashville to try to make it. Cause, oh, man. Boy, Nashville. They didn't have a forest fire. They got a COVID fire with their yeah. mayor. I mean... Boy, and I didn't even look into the details of that, but somebody brought that up to me last week. I'm like, what, they were lying about the numbers? Yeah, it's a, it's a bad deal. To hurt the city? And you're the know. mayor? I don't, I, don't, I don't know that that particular mayor has ever really had any love for Broadway and the music thing. I think he's one of those guys that really thinks that Nashville is what Nashville is because it's 
Nashville. And no, you know, so yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to make it much longer, is he? No, but I mean, either is a lot of the musicians that I know. I mean, they haven't worked in months. Yeah, and if you didn't listen to episode nine with Joe, then you should go back and listen because he spent some time in Nashville and had a country music star that wasn't a star at the time sleeping on his couch. And we're not going to tell you who it is. You got to go listen to the episode for yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, what a weird deal for Nashville. I mean, they've made the best of it with the award shows and the the artists have gotten on uh, online and Zoom until they can't Zoom no more and all kinds of stuff. Well, when this thing finally is over. Man, getting tickets to a concert is going to be difficult. Because, I'm going to cry. Because everybody wants to go see a show. I mean, that's the one thing that I'm truly – I mean, I can live without going to a Duck game, you know, well, I mean, if we even have one. but Yeah, because we have nice big TVs, but, but concerts, TVs, are, concerts different. are a whole other ball game. you know? I, I mean, mean, you can feel the energy in both venues, right, whether it's a concert, mm-hmm. whether it's an indoor, outdoor, Hayfield, Brit, whatever it is, concerts – I mean, but in sports, it's just a different kind of energy. I mean, I just, I miss going to concerts. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can't lie. I mean, I, you know, and I've been to hundreds and hundreds of concerts. You'd think I'd have enough on my list that I don't ever need to go to one again, but, and I'm ready to go to a show. There's been a couple of times where I've been in my truck and had one of my favorite songs on, maybe a live version, and turn it up and the hair stands up on your arms and you can feel... Or you'd go right back to that moment where you saw, you know, like I've seen Eric Church nine or 10 or 11, I don't know how many times. And I'm just like, I can feel the energy. You know what it's like? Yeah. And just get sad about it. It's just weird. Excuse me. You know? Yeah. My wife and I were having a conversation today. She's like, well, you know, by the time this COVID thing happens, being that Ozzy has Parkinson's disease, I don't know if he's going to be able to go out again. And I'm like, you know, for me, I mean, I'm a rock and roll guy. Yeah. I'm like, You've got your Rush shirt on. Yeah, right I, I'm thinking I'm never, maybe never going to be able to see Ozzy again. I mean, it, it, you know, it's. Do you uh, think we'll see concerts next year? Because there's artists, that, and this just happened last week, where someone moved a date, another date to 2021 and said, here it is. Here's the new date for next year. I mean, I, I, I think everybody is hoping for that i mean i I think that everybody's got their um hopes set on being able to to have some kind of vaccine or something that allows these things to happen yeah Um, you know and i i i'm not sure i mean i sure hope so i mean the thought of going two years without seeing a live show of anybody I mean, I don't know how so many of these venues survive if we go to one year is going to be enough for a lot of them, but there's gonna be a lot of the smaller ones that don't, you know, and there's some, I mean, that is the, the sad part is, you know, I, 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 there's tons of venues right now that, that probably aren't going to be able to reopen. I mean, they haven't said they're not reopening Mm -hmm. because there's nothing to say we're not reopening for yet. Right. But you know, places like the Roxy and the whiskey. And I mean, these are. You know, for a music guy, I mean, I, uh, you know. It's like hollow grounds. I mean, you know, this whole year started out sucky for me because, you know, on, I think, January 6th, Neil Parrott died. So, you know, I mean, I'm a drummer. Uh, I mean, it was heartbreaking to me to lose that talent. 
and and it's just gone to shit every since. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a crazy year. Yeah, I mean, I hope we have music. I mean, I hope we have concerts. I had a memory pop up in my newsfeed today, and it was a trip I took to Memphis to St. Jude in 2012. And so I started counting on my fingers. I'm like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So count like all these years ago, you know, that it was, and so many experiences there a part of St. Jude and going to Beale street in Memphis and watching blues artists. And it's more than just going to Memphis and having a hamburger to St. Jude and going to Dyer's burgers, <laughs> deep fried burger. Uh, that was a great suggestion. Did you make it to St. Jude's this year? Did yeah. You, were you we were there. We were out? there in January. Yeah. In January. Yeah. It was one of the last. And how we did you guys do this year in your, in your, um, radiothon radiothon. Um, boy, of course you'd ask me that. And it feels like it was so long ago. And that was, you know, that was February, late February. And then a couple weeks later, all went to shit. But, uh, God, what was the number Four something? Do you, with the COVID and with, um, everything that's happened in Southern Oregon, is this something that you're still going to push? for 2021 i have no idea what's gonna happen that's the worst part you know we already canceled a, a gala gala i don't know how you say, people say it. it's like tomato tomato um but anyway we had a big thing scheduled at seven feathers that was going to happen in um is it see now i can't even remember so much has happened june anyway this year it was supposed to happen and um everything got canceled you know of course with COVID, right. and um I'm multitasking while, while I'm answering the question because I was going to try and answer your question. But um, I don't know what it looks like, and I think that's one of the hardest things to... And how has, um, or do you know, how has St. Jude been affected by this whole thing? Oh, big. I mean, big much, time. I, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are, but I know they had to let people go just like a lot of other organizations had to, you know. Um, so, you know, I think they're pretty healthy, but you don't know what's going to happen. Right? right. What are, what's the first thing people cut out of their budget? You know, like, Charity. yeah. And like I told my wife, we'll cut everything else until the kids can't eat, you know, and, and we'll, we'll make sure we do it because we can, we can, we can do it. You know, you know that's been the toughest thing, uh, especially with the fires here in Southern Oregon. You know, I, I met with all my employees, um, the Friday after the fire. So, uh, I think that was maybe the, it was Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday, Tuesday night. Fire. So three days later, we had one employee at my store that lost his home, and um, my sister stores, the Nissan store and the Volkswagen store had one employee. So we lost three people uh, of our little group. Uh, you know, and I met with all my people. I said, "Hey, you know, here's what you have to know: is you're going to get inundated with GoFundMe's and and all these things and." Every story is tragic. And, you know, you only have so much money that's extra in your life. So, you know, we are going to, as a group, take care of our people. Because, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, and I'm sure that you have friends and some of you have family. And you can take care of those people. But you can't just throw money at everybody. I mean, it's there's terrible. hundreds, there's if hundreds. not thousands of GoFundMe's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, my wife, um, works at Asante and they, I think the last count was 87. 
they had 87 employees at the hospital that lost their homes. Jeez. So, you know, we, uh, my wife has a couple that work right with her. And, you know, I think there was six and on her area, you know, which is an area of the cardiac department. Um, but, you know, a couple of them are CNAs and, and, you know, they don't, I mean, CNA, you know, it, you work really hard, but you're not making RN money, you're not making doctor money. So, you know, we, my wife went to help those people, but you can't help everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to, I mean, I want to just write check, but my I mean, wife told me the other day, she said, if it was up to you, we'd be broke. Uh, and I said, you know, you're probably right. Uh, you're probably right. You know, in the, in those cases, yes. Yeah. You know, and I haven't even been able to touch you know, Mill City. I mean, uh, I, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's terrible. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people that I know that, that lost their homes. Uh, lots of them. And, uh, and, and a lot of them that lost their family homes, uh, where they don't, their family doesn't live anymore, but that was all their memories. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have, uh, I mean, you know everybody in a small community, you know. Mill City was not hit nearly as bad as Gates and Detroit. You know, Mill City lost a section on the Marion County side. And that was the north side of the river, Yeah, basically. right where you drove through yep. on Highway 22. Yep. Uh, they lost a lot in that area. So I don't want to take it, you know, say that they were, they were spared. They weren't. Uh, but, you know, Gates, it's like 50 or... 70% of the homes in that little community are gone. Detroit. Uh, what does it look like up there? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I've seen the videos. I mean, uh, I saw the video, a gal that, that I grew up with, um, you know, we, we all kind of grow up together up mm-hmm. there, for, from Detroit. She's a big realtor in Salem, and she kind of is the go-to realtor in Detroit, you know, for cabins and such. And, you know, you grew up in a small community. I mean, we don't need paved roads to know, right. how, to, to know how to get into somewhere. Uh-huh. And so she got up there by eh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and videoed Detroit. And she went around the whole city with a phone mm-hmm. saying, you know, Susie, you lost your house. I mean, oh. you know, and then got to her mom's house, which was gone. It's the only time she broke. I mean, she's a tough gal, a beautiful gal, but tough. And that's the only time I heard her break down in the video. But, you know, the funny story through this whole thing, she's doing all these videos. She posted 21 videos. And then they shut down. You know, the National Guard got involved, and you weren't going into Mm. Detroit at all. But, you know, we know how to get there without going on a main road. But... Once National Guard gets involved, it becomes a felony. So no yeah, one. Yeah, you don't to. want to do that. So, uh, but during this last video, she shot. She saw shots. Shots. There was a BMW Z3 M car that was parked like over by the main streets in Detroit, kind of parked in this parking area with nothing around it, and it made it. And I was like, wow. You know, of course, I brought my guys in to say, hey, look, BMW can survive anything. <laughs> um, and so I'm uh, through Facebook. You know, if you run a BMW store, you kind of get involved with some of the groups that are 
you know, BMW, PNW, so Pacific Northwest BMW Enthusiasts club. and stuff like that. Yeah, and they hate guys like me. They hate dealers. They don't buy any new cars. They they wait till they're the fourth, fourth or fifth generation owner. You know, they, they, they don't like us. But I go on there to, you know, anyway. And so that night, I saw a guy post pictures on that site saying, hey, pretty sure my car is gone. Here's a picture of it. Um, we have a cabin in Detroit and we knew it was going to burn. So we took the car out of the garage. We couldn't take both cars. Um, my wife had the suburban, so I just parked it here. It looked like maybe it was the safest place. And he had pictures like from the night he parked it. So I was able to get on there and send him a private message and say, your car is still there. And it's, it made it. See if you can go and get it. He got Saturday or Friday. They finally opened the road from Gates to Detroit with a caravan. You know, so you had to go in a caravan. You had to set an appointment to do it. But they let people go up to Detroit to look if, you know, if their house made it or to to just, you know, be as a group and mm-hmm. and mourn. And he got to go up there. And, and he knew his car had made it. I'd, I'd send him the video. You know, here you what go. What did he say? He, he's like, he, well, he's freaking out. He called me right away. He goes, are you, are you, you know, this is my car? I said, I don't know it's your car, but the cars that you posted a picture on PMW, BMW, that car is still there. Here's the video. So, and it ended up being, uh, you know, cause I, I told him, Hey, uh, I'll pay for the parts that it might need because i thought for sure it's gonna have a hole in the top you know mm-hmm. and i said but I, I will donate that and to you and because uh, i you know he thought he lost his house too well he didn't lose his house either his house made it one of the because he was up between idana and detroit on the north st am river that stuff most of that made it but detroit itself didn't but mm-hmm. he parked his car in detroit just the openest place he could find without right. a tree and everything around him burned fire trucks everything but his car made it a couple headlights and marker lights and you know i'm gonna send him the parts <laughs> and uh, so you know so there's i mean you get obviously you're hearing him out of out of medford too you know our sister store you know the hansen's bmw motorcycle store burnt down and you know i talked to the the hansen's uh, a couple days after, you know, I, I reached out to them and said, hey, you know, I, because they, they instantly posted, well, not instantly, but a couple days later that, hey, BMW is going to allow us to service some vehicles in a garage, uh, motorcycles. So, but they have very few tools and they don't have anywhere to store parts. So we, our parts come out of the same facility. So, and I have room and I can run them out to them. And um, because the, there's a bunch of BMW motorcycles that are part of the Jackson County police force. Mm-hmm. So they got to be able to service those vehicles. So, but you know, I mean, those are the tragic stories out of, out of all these things. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be able to rebuild or not. I mean, they're, you know, the motorcycle business isn't what it used to be. No, uh, Millennials don't ride motorcycles and mm-hmm. they were grandfathered in, you know, I built a new BMW store. I know, how crazy BMW is on tile and furniture and all these things, but they were grandfathered in from an old store. Like we used to be before we built a new one, but you know, now they're not going to grandfather them in. They're going to want them to build a, you know, $3 million metropolis. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is Medford. 
Yeah. So where's that rest area when you're going when you're coming down twenty two? It's right before Gates. So does it go Gates? Goes Gates, Mill City. So so Detroit Lake, then Gate Mm -hmm. rest area Gates. So you go Detroit, then you're going to pass the first dam, and then you're going to pass the second dam. The first dam is Detroit Dam. The second dam is Big Cliff Dam, and then from Big Cliff, it's the North Saint Am dumps out, and then you go to you pass the rest area, and then that takes you into Gates. It's about three miles from Gates to Mill City. Okay. So as you went into Mill City, so all that area that you on Highway 22 in from Gates is gone. It's gone. There's, it's all gone. So past the rest area. If you're past coming. the rest area. And then as you go into Mill City, the businesses on the right-hand side of the mm-hmm. road, most of those were destroyed. Um, the lumber yard. Uh, but some, some made it. Yeah. Um, the subway made it. Um, and these were businesses that weren't there when I was a kid. The subway was a Chevron gas station. Right. And, you know, uh, those, you know, those businesses, and Papa Al's made it, the pizza place made it. I mean, Papa Al's has been there. I don't know. We moved to Mill City in 1970. We moved New Year's Day 73, I believe. And um, it's, it was DNS then, and then it became Papa Al's. And I worked there when every kid in Mill City worked there at one point or another. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, but it's still there; they still make a great burger. Um, the Seven Eleven, which it's Seven Eleven now, it was Circle K when I was a kid. It made it, but then as you went out of the city, all that area, Fisherman's Bend, all along the river there, destroyed. All the parks from Detroit, uh, just as as you go from the dam down, all those parks were destroyed. Gosh. So, you know, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, Fisherman's Bend, my, my grandparents would come up and camp for 4th of July is a big deal in Mel City. And it's the, I mean, when I was a kid, it was the day that we all looked forward to. And cause we had people that actually came in from the outside, you know, right. and we had a big fireworks display and, and the town really went out of the way for 4th of July. So, my grandparents would come up every year and camp at, at Fisherman's Bend for 4th of July for a week, and I would go camp with them. And, you know, I, I spent, I don't know, thousands of hours in my life in Fisherman's Bend. I mean, when we have class reunions, it's always into Salem for a night, you know, you dinner, dancing, drinks, and then Sunday's the family day at Fisherman's Bend. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just what we do in the canyon. So... You know it's going to be hard um i i'm going over to up north to lincoln city for a week's vacation and and uh my wife and i have both thought about driving up but i don't know that i can take it you know yeah my wife lost her house my wife lost the house she grew up in uh her mom's business that she had when my wife grew up my mother-in-law still owns that building well it's not a building anymore <clears throat> it's gone but um yeah it's you know i don't know that i have it in me to go up and and see I mean, the tragedy i know how i feel and i drove through there once in my lifetime and couldn't believe it took me that long to get there and i can't believe that it's gone you know what i mean like when we came by detroit lake i was like oh my god look at this like i i've heard about it right i've lived in oregon my whole life i'm 40 years old i just turned 40 that's why we were on the trip you know yeah for my birthday went over to sun river and then had to go up to portland for an appointment 
And as we drove by there, I'm like, oh, this is the place that you hear people talk about. Yeah, my and I was like, God, it's like a mini Havasu. Look at all these people. And yeah. it was a great summer weekend. It was a Sunday. The lake was packed. Well, you were up there. The You went through the weekend before Labor Day, I believe. Yeah, because it was my birthday's August 28th, which was a f- Friday. Because I think we left Thursday, so my birthday was Friday. And then we drove through Mill City and Detroit Lake on Sunday. Yeah, so you went up the weekend before Labor Day. So imagine 10 days later, it's gone. Yeah. Cedars is gone. I mean, you know, some of these things like, uh, and that's why I say I just don't know that I have it in me right now to go up and see it. You know, for one, it's human nature to gawk. And these are people that I've known my whole life. I don't Mm -hmm. want to gawk at their tragedy. Um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's heartbreaking to me. I mean, you know, my, my grade school that I went Gates primary, it's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, when I, when I moved to Mill City in 73, you know, um, I think, I think I'm from my first grade class till graduation, um, I think 60% of my class was still there at graduation. So, you know, when you, and every one of them has some, somehow this has touched them, Um, whether it's their parents' home or the home they grew up in or, you know, and it is just, you know, that is not something that I, I don't, I don't know that I want to go up and see it right now. I mean, I, um, it, you know, I certainly don't want to gawk at it, mm-hmm. um, but you know, but you know, you also hear these great stories of, of triumph, you know, people that, I mean, uh, God, there's some badasses up there, there man. not just there, but the McKenzie river, even down here, there's loggers and, and, uh, God, there's a story about that. There's a lady lady i want to say with the fire department and it was uh there's a volunteer fire department up there what's one of the does it start with an i one of the towns idana uh uh in the same EM you have you know what what was affected was lions mahama mill city gates and idana okay and, or detroit idana avoided it um knock on wood they've had enough tragedy up there uh i mean when i when i was a kid there was two mills there there's no mills there now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just a small, it's a, it's almost a ghost town anymore, mm-hmm. you know, but they avoided the fire. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, I've heard, you know, stories and again, I haven't talked to these, I mean, you know, but you're in a small group in, in mill city and you know, everybody, uh, you know, a, a girl that I went to school with, you know, she posted that her, her uh, brother, who I also went to school with, he was two years older than me. She was two years younger than me, and I and I went to school with their other sister. Um, that he later, you know, he was in the timber industry. He became a builder, and he was down with his. I'm assuming uh, because if you don't know, loggers have fire trucks too. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was down protecting the houses that he had built for people, and. I saw a, fa- a Facebook post from a guy that, that I went to school with that, you know, flat out said, here's my truck. And, you know, Scott came in 
and his boys and and they saved it and i know the fire, mill city volunteer fire department you know which my dad was a member of for 25 years um those guys didn't leave they stayed in I mean, I saw videos. I can't imagine the smoke that I was dealing with here. It was three times worse. Than, oh yeah. I mean, uh, and yet I saw videos of these guys out saving homes, saving animals. Uh, they just they you know I mean they will they're resilient people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you grew up. You know, you grew up in a Glendale would do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Well, Butte Falls was doing the same thing. They yeah. had that logger militia, militia and they weren't messing you know? around, man. And I, I got some messages from a, a guy I know that lives in Canyonville or grew up in Canyonville. And he was out there and he, he hauled a dozer down there and was texting me and messaging me and and uh, just telling me some of the stories, you know. But And there was other people, too. But just to know that they were like, there's just people showing up with dozers like seven or eight dozers just going for it. And it's interesting to me how, and not to make it political or anything, but it's just interesting how in a time like this where there's no resources left, right? We had so many fires going that there was no more resources. Like they said, don't even ask because there's nothing else left. But yet people are coming out of the woodwork with their dozers and excavators and fallers and, well, what know, I've, what I've they just did it. They just did it. And they didn't. and, And if it wasn't for those people up in glide out in Butte falls, up in your old stomping grounds, if it wasn't for all those people that the environmentalists hate or they hate their ways, we would have seen an even worse outcome. No question about it. I mean, I've read that, um, that Malala, which is, you know, outside of Salem and, uh, again, a logging community, uh, that they, they would not send anybody. That's pretty much all they had to save. There was a lady I saw a video and she was on her cat. And if you looked at her, you'd have thought she was one of the activists. But no, uh uh-uh. She was on a cat pushing dirt and just going for it. You know, and that's what makes, I mean, and and, and until Salem and Portland, I mean, I'll get a little political. I mean, I've lived in both, uh, Portland and Salem. And I, you know, I still think Portland, maybe not a six-square block area, but... I still think Portland's one of the most beautiful cities in America. Oh, and I would say that and, 10 times over. Um, you know, it was a city that I, that I loved to go to when I was a kid. I mean, it was always a big deal. We were either going up to go to a concert. So, you know, when you're living in Mill City, Oregon, and you're going up to, in those days, it was festival seating concerts. So, like, I would never allow my kids to do this, and you wouldn't do But one of... Uh, our moms would drop us off at like the Memorial Coliseum at 11 a.m. And we would stand in line to go see a show. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be somebody to pick us up after the show. I mean, you know, I would never let my, I mean, I, I remember going to see Queen, uh, which was, the show was July 2nd, 1980. I never forgot the day. Well, I was 13 you know, Isn't that crazy? and we went up the night before with one of our friends that was 16 that drove and we slept in the car in the parking lot at the Memorial Coliseum. So we could get in line at eight in the morning when the doors open at seven o'clock at night. I mean, you know, this wouldn't happen now. No, I, mean, I would all. never let my kids do that. I don't even like them to drive from Portland down here. Right. So, um, but you know, it it's uh, 
it's a shame to me to to know what is going on in Portland. And it's a shame to me that that our politicians don't care what's going on in rural Oregon. They don't care. I nope. mean, Kate made a, an appearance uh, in Mahama, <sighs> and uh, she made an appearance down here. And, and, you know, I appreciate that, I guess. But I don't know, you know if I do. But I and don't. And I'm on my second you know, beer, so I got to, you know. But I, but I guess what I'm saying is, and I said this to Michael on the last episode of the podcast, and it wasn't talking about her. It was talking about ABC News from, I don't know who was here. It wasn't David Muir. Maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, somebody. So, somebody. You're here now. Now you're here. You know, any other time, there isn't a good reason for you to come here. Right? But now you're here taking advantage of our tragedy. And Michael even said, I will never look at the news the same ever again because those are my wife's ki- kids. Those are my wife's students. Our, our family. She's a teacher at Phoenix. Like, those are our kids. And you're here sifting. Th- you're picking up a palm full of ash dramatizing it on the fucking news and you're here now you're here now and i know that's what their business is but it's just weird to me and the same thing with the governor coming here or merkley or anyone else who came here well, when kate uh when they announced that kate was going to the sanium canyon i mean i was praying that she set up a stage and was going to speak because you know, she she would not have enjoyed herself. There's no question about that. I mean, uh, you know, she did not do that, and no one was even around her. She brought a couple firefighters with her, took a couple pictures, you know, and, and again, yeah, reaped the benefits of the tragedy. Um, but, you know, the great thing is, uh, I know, especially in the McKenzie and uh, in the Santiam Canyon, um, we don't need Kate Brown to rebuild. Nope. Uh, we don't need politicians to rebuild. Um, these are resilient people that that have overcome. They already overcame the the end of logging and and the mill business as we know it. And the towns are still there, mm-hmm. and they'll be there 150 years from now. Um, you know, Detroit. I I pray that the locals will be able to rebuild and move back home because, you know, the, uh, as we know, money can throw people for a loop and, you know, it is a, it is a vacation playland now for Salem and Bend. And they just got a lot more money than people that, that have lived for 50 and a hundred years in the St. Am Canyon in mm-hmm. Detroit, Oregon. And when they offer them a crazy offer for their piece of property that has no house on it, you know, it's hard to say no. I mean, it's hard to say no, because it, life is hard up there. I mean, there is no, you know, from mill city to Salem is 35 miles from Detroit. It's like 55 miles to Salem to go to the grocery store. You don't have a, there's not a safe way in the canyon, okay? Mm-hmm. There is small community grocery stores that, you know, Mill City has the big one, but, you know, I thought it was big when I was a kid. I was in it last year and went, wow, there's like five aisles, mm-hmm. you know, in a small meat department. And there was two stores when I was a kid, but now there's just one. 
Just like most small towns. You know, and in um, Detroit, there's, you know, there's two little stores that that really cater to recreation. Mm -hmm. I mean, so they got marshmallows and stuff, you know, marshmallows and beer and and stuff for s'mores for the campers. There's worms to go fishing and, but, you know, you're not going in there and getting a quality you're not getting your weekly groceries yeah i mean so you know it's 55 miles to drive to go grocery shopping um of any sort i guess you can go to staten there is a safe way there you know so from staten to to uh detroit you know it's only a 40 mile drive Mm -hmm. through pretty tough roads i mean highway 22 it isn't it's not six lanes here it's you know it's now at least there's sections with two on each side when i was a kid there wasn't it was two lane road two lane road was yeah. full of logging trucks man you were yeah. risking your life every you better time hope you were they weren't there. swinging a wide yeah i mean uh you know it's a little different now but uh but yeah i mean it's uh i know that these people don't need politicians to rebuild they might need politicians to release money to them and all these politicians want to be reelected. they're going to release money to them mm-hmm. so you know that's the i guess the only benefit of the politicians involved is well they they want to be reelected so they're going to say look we helped mill city rebuild you know yeah whatever right i mean they didn't but but yeah i mean the the citizens of mill city saved mill city that's a fact isn't that something the citizens of lions of mahama they they saved lions of mahama the citizens of malala saved law and if if the fire situation was different here, the citizens of Southern Oregon would have saved our communities. This wasn't a forest fire. This mm-hmm. was this was an undescribable fire situation, but definitely uh, not my brother calling from Australia. Uh, Does he live there? No, he's a, you know he's a Mormon. He's on a mission. Uh, you know, he sold his business and his uh, his house. And, you know, they stack away money like I stack away, you know, tortillas. But uh, <laughs> they uh, they uh, went on an adult mission. So Okay. So they, for... Australia, that's a terrible place to be. Yeah, you know, well, they're in... They've had I some mean, fires, right? They, got, they really? got there just as the fires were going out. And they're like, they're not in... Um, you know, Sydney or no, no, they're, they're like a thousand miles from Perth. Uh, they were in a mining town that was on the Indian ocean. Um, then they moved from that mining town to another mining town. Uh, you know, 2000 miles away. Australia's a big place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're spreading the word of God. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they are, it is not tropical fun. You know, it's hot. I mean, it's like the desert. Yeah. And, but, the, you know, they're, they're right now, based on what's happening in the United States, they're pretty happy they're there. Um, well, what time is it there right now? Isn't uh, it, is it eight in the morning? Aren't they about? It's about eight in the morning. Yeah. Okay. I usually get a phone call from them um, either at eight at night at this time, mm-hmm. or they'll call me at like, um, you know, midnight or one. Your so time or my time. They'll text me and say, "Are you awake?" And if I respond back, then they'll Facetime me. Gotcha. Because we pretty much Facetime. But uh, but yeah, they're there till 
I think they have another, they extended. So I think they, 23 months total. So I, I believe they are there till July of next year. Do they have kids that are grown and gone? Yeah, yeah. Their their kids are. They live in Boise, and okay. So my youngest niece is thirty one, I believe. So you know, and they've got four kids in Boise. So they got a bunch of, of they grandkids. Do. They're Mormons. They have all they're the Mormons. Kids. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> they have three girls and a and a boy, and they all live in Boise. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I don't. Blame yeah, them. it's you know, they, but they're struggling just like. Uh, the rest of the country is in hot spots. I mean, you know, people want to live in Boise. So, yep. you know, they've been and People almost, keep talking about yeah. it. I was just there last summer to see Garth and that place. And, and, and you know, Susu, our old general yeah. manager who lives there, uh, she was general manager of the radio station. She said, you know, you used to be able to go from, because we stayed in Meridian. And she said, you, you would be in Meridian and then you would just drive through fields all the way to Boise. And now you, there's no fields really at all between there. And and they're pricing, you know, people from Boise out just just the same as Bend has. And, you know, Bend is poverty with a view. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have money when you get to Bend, well, then it's going to be painful for you to live in Bend because it's still Oregon. So they're not paying California kind of money at the restaurants or anything like that, but it's California prices. If you want to buy a place, mm-hmm. even if you want to rent a place and, you know, and rent here is, uh, it's off the charts. You know, that's, um, I was talking to, uh, some of the people from the, uh, uh, Oregon wine experience was, which is the Asante foundation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the Asante foundation went shifted, quickly into um helping from the fires the employees of asante that are not have nowhere to live and as of last week they have like 87 employees they've been able to find homes for like 10 it's crazy so you know because it it still has to be affordable Mm -hmm. you know i mean you can't yeah there's houses out there there you know there's one in my neighborhood that's you know thirty eight hundred dollars a month if you want to rent it you know so well we were just talking about this i mean the reason we were down in Reading is because i have a rental in shasta lake and we were talking about what to do with the rent because when we first started renting that place out it was seven hundred and twenty five dollars a month i remember when you bought that place yeah about what eight years ago? Yeah, you were somewhere in real there. nervous, but you used were all the, the money we had. Yeah. Yep, all the money we had, we put into that thing. Smart move. And um, and the rent was nine fifty, and the lady just moved out. And right now we are on the low end of the spectrum at twelve hundred. And the only and it's there's, a house. there's one other house in that small town for rent that's about the same size, and it's thirteen fifty a month. Yeah, I mean that's that's a house. I I don't think you can get a apartment in in Med, Medford for twelve hundred. It's crazy to think about because when I moved to Grants Pass, granted it was two thousand one, so that was nineteen years ago. I think I paid five hundred and sixty five dollars for a two bedroom, one and a half bath. And now, oh, I mean you know it's like the, I was, you know, when I moved to Phoenix in two thousand one. I thought it was such a bargain compared to Salem, Oregon. You're talking about Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was. I mean, it was. I mean, you could buy twice the house in Phoenix than you could in Salem. 
but not anymore. No. I mean, it's, uh, and, and Phoenix is huge. It's spread out everywhere. I mean, you know, and if you want a piece of land, just to buy the desert and just, you know, buy a piece of desert and start building. But if you want to live in the metro, you know, yeah, you're going to pay yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous, and I, I don't know, man. I don't know where we go on that one. That's what's crazy. Well, you know, in your case, it's great because eventually your kids grow up and they go off to college and go off to live their life, and then you don't need as big as a house, so you can sell your house and take a chunk of money and downsize. Yeah. But for most people, you know, like me, I mean, I don't have kids, so I bought my house based on the fact that there is just two of us, mm-hmm. and... You know, I mean, it's gained a lot of value since I bought it, but what am I going to do? Sell it? Unless I'm moving out of Medford. Well, we were talking about that too. This house that we're sitting (coughs) in here, we've had for, wow, three years, about a week, two weeks ago, actually, three years already. And it's gained quite a bit of value, but for what? You try and go buy one of these now with a little bit of property? Because we're lucky we have about two and a half plus acres. And we look for this house for seven years, probably. Just think about it. When you were looking at your place in Reading, you know, and you bought that rental house, you could probably could have bought a place fairly inexpensive in Brookings at the time. Yeah. But you can't now. No. I mean, there's nothing you can touch over there. No. no nowhere on the Oregon coast. I don't know how locals can stay at the Oregon coast. From I don't Lincoln either. City, Newport, Yahats. I mean, because trust me, I've looked and I'm sure you have too. I have too. You, I mean, if you can get something that you would want to with an ocean view Mm -hmm. that you would want to be able to buy and then maybe VRBO it, you're not touching anything under 450,000. No. And at 450, it still needs some work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're really having to go in the mid fives to low sixes. Just to get started. Just to get, yeah. I mean, this that doesn't get you ocean front. No, no, no. The, just a view. Like you a, might really yeah, hear like it. You can hear it, and you, there's a corner of the window in the kitchen you can see out. Right. And one other section in the master bedroom. I mean, it, it is. It's crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I said I don't know where we go from here as far as housing goes. I it, don't know. And especially with the regulations too, and it's so expensive in some of these counties to build. That's ridiculous. You know, they're they're hitting you at every turn. Well. Salem will keep making it more expensive. I promise they won't make it easier. Yes, I always ask, like, when are we gonna like turn some of this stuff back? Are we? You can't unwind it. It's easier to get it in than it is to unwind it. And uh, unwinding it just never happens. Well, here's what I can tell you: Portland has proved to me that they don't care because they've allowed their city to be under attack for 130 days. And I can tell you, I saw it with my own eyes. So for everyone that says it's not that bad, what does not that bad mean? Because if not that bad is every business down there boarded up because it's either been trashed or going to be trashed. If that's not that bad, then what's bad? I mean, they've burned every statue in the city, including the elk. I mean, why would you burn an elk? I mean, what does elk have to do? with Some would say, why not? But, you know, it's it's just... And like, certainly we used to stay at the uh, embassy suites right there. Up oh, me a couple too. It's blocks. my favorite place. 
Yeah, because you get free drinks, mm-hmm. happy hour. It's great. You know, it's a good it's a good location. You can hop on the Max and go to the concert, you or walk you can up go the street eat. And and you know, Mother's was up the street. Now it's in the Embassy Suites, and uh, you know, Huber's is right around the corner. You go get a cocktail there. I mean, it, it was a great location to stay at. But you know where we stayed when we went up there. As we trek down 22? Beaverton? Woodburn. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And not I mean, because of the outlets, because yeah. we found a place right there that had enough rooms to keep the whole family, but we weren't going to go do that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean... It's, but I wanted to see it with my own eyes. But, you know, I wanted to go see what it looks like. And they've allowed it. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we could spend five hours, ten hours talking about uh, Black Lives Matter and social issues, and I believe Black Lives Matter. So I do just I. don't believe in the organization that is touting themselves as Black Lives Matter because I'm sure as almost everything, 95% of them aren't burning stuff in Portland and spray painting all, all over it. It's a very small portion of them. But they have tied themselves with that mm-hmm. organization and they haven't spoke out against it and neither have our politicians. I mean, I thought it was really funny that Ted Wheeler's place, they, they tried to burn it down. So that's great. I mean, he's as good as done, yeah. I think. Well, I, I would hope so, but Portland consistently has proven that. When you think it can't get crazier, they go crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, this isn't new. I mean, this has been going on. I was in Portland at the Nines Hotel, across the street from Pioneer Square, on election night 16. Mm. I'm more than happy to show you videos of it. So, no. I mean, it was... Ne- I, I, I swore after that night, I told my wife, I would never go stay in downtown Portland again. And if I had to for business, I would be armed. And this is a town that I love. I, I mean, agree I, with you, I mean, man. It's weird. And that's you know, those two guys talking to each other as friends that are guys that grew up in small towns, small conservative towns, but both of us are very open-minded individuals and don't really, I mean, I don't identify with either one. I'm kind of floating in the middle with my conservative, like fiscal conservative guy, but also open to not telling, you know, it's like, I'm just, it's like, what the hell? I mean, I don't care. Uh, I, I based judgment on people. On people. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I can, you know, if you wrong somebody, I mean, there's only one or two groups of people that I hate. Don't care what color they are. Don't like pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, kill them all. And, <laughs> and dog fighters are right up there with me. Right. I mean, I, you know, I, I you know me and I'm an animal guy. Yes, so, you are. So, you know, otherwise, I do whatever you want. Well, it's like know? my neighbor was, um, Putting up his Biden sign the other night, and I saw that as and I was my, pulling in. And my son has a couple shirts that are like, um, and a friend of ours bought these shirts for him. But it's got a pumpkin with the Donald Trump hair, and it says Donald Trumpkin make Halloween great again. <laughs> and and a friend of ours, and, and which the only, is cute. The only reason he knew who Donald Trump was because Brothers Osborne has the video. It ain't my fault. It's got Bill Clinton mask. It's got a. Um, uh, George Bush mask. It's got a Trump mask. And so he watched the music video and he's like, who is that? And so we told him that's Donald Trump. He doesn't even know what Donald Trump 
is isn't what he's all about nothing to him but a friend of ours because he was always like it ain't my fault he's like donald trump and so a friend of ours bought him these shirts one's thanksgiving it's got a piece of pie on it with the hairdo on top of the pie like instead of the um whipped cream and it says make thanksgiving great again and so whatever so my neighbor texted me a picture of his biden sign he said hey don't let your son tear my sign down (laughs) and i said one he knows better and two um I said something about like believing that anyone should like your views are your views and I'm butchering it after two beers. But the point is, is that like I believe in your right to free speech just as much as I believe in mine. And I put your sign up like it's not. I mean, again, and I can have that conversation with him. And I actually ended up having a long text conversation about what I really think about how, and I'll say it right now after two beers that I think both parties are full of shit. I think that the money in politics is ridiculous and that's what's screwing our country. And so frankly, I think they're all, now you got to vote for someone, but at the end of the day, I think it's just a bunch of horse. Shit. Well, and, and that is my biggest argument that I, that I have on a regular basis is listen, as a father of a daughter, it's hard for anybody to support Donald Trump. I mean, he has just said some things that are, as a father of a daughter, I, I, you know. No. And that's my not my style, and I'm not going to say who I'm voting for, but as far as how you, when they say be presidential, I don't want someone to blow smoke up my ass to be presidential, but there's a way to treat people. Well, here's my argument, I guess, is, there's what 350 million people in the United States, something like that. If you cut it in half to 175, and then you cut it to kids and everything else, so there's about a hundred million Democrats. You couldn't get anybody better than Joe Biden. You're the party that had John Kennedy. You couldn't deliver to the party somebody that is. I mean, I well, don't get and it. And well, or do you? Because depending on how deep you want to look, and this is where we get a little, you know, I'm not going to go all conspiracy on you, but a lot of people think that it doesn't matter. You know, if you really want to look deep enough to what's happened in this country, if you look at what happened to JFK, if you look at what happened to Bobby Kennedy, if you look at anyone who really wanted to fight back against the machine, you know, and I, you look at what happened to him. I mean, we could go there and people will go, well, you're just being a conspiracy theorist. And you go, well, wh- why did these guys who pushed back against war and who pushed back against some of these? I mean, JFK desegregated Ole Miss and was gone a couple of weeks later. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, mean, is it a coincidence or not? You know, I don't know. I always try to look at the best in people. And so, you know, it's kind of like when, you know, there's a lot of people talking about these fires were all started and stuff. And, and, you know, they're obviously they've have arrested, at least they arrested somebody in Medford that was starting a fire during Mm -hmm. the fires. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I have read, but I don't know that, that they think that maybe it was a man-made fire or it started out as a man-made fire, but there's no proof of that at this point. We don't know. I mean, I like to think, 
the best of people that that people would not do something like that. But I, I mean, I understand there, and I certainly don't think Antifa was down here. I, I, I don't believe that. I, I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of wackos that that get off on starting fires. I, I do know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have been around for a long time. Um, so, you know, I like to at least think the best in people. I just, you know, it's hard for me to, to look at, at all the really great people that are out there. You couldn't deliver anybody better than a career politician that, you know, does not have a really uh, great history of telling the truth. Um, there's multiple reports where that didn't happen. It's just, you know, hard for me to believe that. Well, to me, that just says what I said a few minutes ago, that it it doesn't matter, that it doesn't matter. And that's what it is. And, and people can say whatever they want and say, Oh, you're a conspiracy guy or this, that, or the other. Well, I said, I told a good friend of mine the other day, or I asked him, I said, are you ready yet? Like, he's a smart dude. Like, are you ready to get in the arena? And uh, he's like, man, I don't know that I want to do that. I said, A, I don't think I'm smart enough. And B, I, I mean, as soon as you get in, you're kind of a slave to the system, right? If you oh, don't, I, I, I there's don't big money me. and there's special interests and people don't want to, they're like, I can just live my life and not deal with that bullshit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, jeez, uh, we've been on a long time. We're uh, 141, so. <laughs> wow, I'm going to set the all-time podcast record. You're still about 15 <laughs> minutes shy, but I got to pee like crazy, so we so, probably won't. But, you know, I mean, I, again, I, like I said, I don't like to talk about politics, and and I can tell you right now, I don't know who I'm voting for. To be honest with you, I don't want to vote at all. I mean, it, You it, know what pisses me off is that, Someone like Tulsi Gabbard got freaking railroaded. You know, smart woman. She was in the military and got railroaded and run right out of it. And that, to me, it's like, that 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 doesn't sit well with me. You know, I mean, I'm glad I sell BMWs or cars in general. I mean, you know, I mean, I just have to go in to work. And, you know, I saw in my mind, you know, it's a great thing about running a BMW dealership. I'm, I'm, I really get to deliver some happiness in people's lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, no one that comes in and buys a car from us doesn't leave happy. I mean, they're happy. They're they're leaving in a new car. It's an exciting, fun thing. Yeah. I, I mean, as much as I think I can make a difference jumping into that political ring, even in small town like Medford, the the thought of your whole life being un delivering unhappiness. Yeah. It's just, you know, Plus I some of do us it, have a know? few skeletons where we're like, well, oh, this might yeah, not be Yeah. Oh, the best there's no life. question. When they dug yeah. in my background, <laughs> they'd, be like, Whoa. they'd go, Wow, you did what? Yeah. This time, you know, I'm sure my ex wife would be more than happy to say, Hey, here's some of the things. Here's you where did. all the skeletons you know, are. But uh but yeah, I mean I I don't know why when anyone would want to get into I don't politics. Either. I mean I, I don't but I you know I I do know that they go into politics with a lot less money 
and then, then they, they come, come out with, with a lot more uh, money. So yeah, you know, so but <sighs> so dirty. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the state of Oregon, in my opinion, has a a lot of problems. Um, but the one thing that we don't have a problem with is our people. That's true. Okay, and if you got great people, it's like a business. If you got great people, you can fix it. Mm-hmm. And we have great people here. Yeah, I mean, people. It. I mean, it was so awesome in the first four or five days after the fire when the expo said, "Hey, stop! We can't take any and more." It donations. wasn't just the expo. It was, it was the fairgrounds in Roseburg. Right. It was in Eugene. It was in Salem. It was all the way up the I five corridor, saying, "We can't take any more." I you mean, guys are out doing yourselves here. I mean, how can you not love where you live? Yeah. When that happens, I mean, I've lived all over the country. Okay. I've lived in Nashville, Vegas, Phoenix, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, Southern California, Southern Oregon has the most generous people I've ever seen in my life. And it's not even close. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, you and I both go to these charity events and there's times that I go, that guy just did what? I mean, he spent what, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you just, you go, wow, how lucky I knew that the outpouring would be huge. Yeah. You know, unfortunately I hope the outpouring lasts cause it's going to take a long time mm -hmm. for this to get done, but we're off to a good know. start though. We're off to a and great I think, start. I think we're yeah. on, the, we're on the right path and who knows we'll see. But I, I mean, I know there's a lot of us who will keep beating the drum and try and not let people forget about it so you know we'll see. i know that you have the uh forum to be able to do that and i know you will we'll yeah. try even if uh, people say we're not doing a good enough job we'll still give it yeah, out anyway. you know i mean I, that, <laughs> that's a whole nother deal um you know and uh, sitting as a citizen of medford i will say was very disappointed in the local news reporting that night and there's way more that goes into that and way more that goes but, into it but i am not in that business yeah and based on even you know um the next morning i saw kyle Averman and i watched channel five and you know he had i mean obviously this this young man was devastated what happened in our community um so you know, I don't know all the details on media. I know you guys got to follow a lot more rules than a lot of things. I mean, mm -hmm. we can say whatever we want on this podcast. Right. Yeah, can't do that on, you can't do that on the radio. <laughs> right. You know, and you can't do that on television. So, but, um, you know, I mean, I, I never wondered during the night of the fires if I was safe or not. So I was getting my information from sources that you know, that, that provided me with the information I needed, mm -hmm. you know? So, but yes, yeah, I, I saw some of that stuff that, uh, you know, you're pretty thick skinned at this point. This is not your first. Well, I know the truth though. You know? I know what we did and it was the complete opposite of what was written about us. So yeah. of all the people she picked out to pick on, it was like the ones that probably did the best job of any, at least I feel, I know what did and didn't happen, but, and, uh, 
so I can sleep at night knowing what we did. Yeah. You know, Tuesday night could have happened a little differently, but from there forward, you don't spend seven or eight hours straight on the air. You know, giving out information and to know that I don't know how I'm trying to say this. You don't spend seven hours on the air and then have someone say you didn't do anything and that that doesn't add up. I mean, I could play the tape and and show you otherwise, but I'm not, I don't need to because I know what we did. I know what everyone else, you know, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but you know, and so does everybody else. So so it doesn't matter. Everybody's got an opinion. Um, You know, that's what it's like assholes. Everyone's got one. Some just smell worse than others, you know, and mine doesn't always smell great. So you never know. But now it's, uh, you know, it was a tragic deal. I mean, and, um, you know, I'm glad that you were there doing what you had to do. And, you know, I know that uh, the people of Southern Oregon will do everything they have to do. I know the people of Sandy and McKinney will do what they have to do. I know the people in McKenzie will do what they have to do. And, you know, this will not be, unfortunately. You could change the forestry policy tomorrow. And it still won't be the last time something happens. Unfortunately, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this what happened again, like I said, in Southern Oregon was a fluky deal um you know and we need to uh, all of jackson county needs to address the greenway yeah and you've had multiple podcasts talking about the greenway and that wasn't so. even about the vegetation no that was about the situation with the but the it all goes hand in hand it does yeah i mean it, it's it all goes together yeah. I mean, you know, the Greenway is it's a like great, a great recipe, right? Yeah. You got to have the right recipe in order to end up with a great cookie. I mean, the concept of the Greenway is awesome. To be able to hop on a bicycle and ride that bicycle from basically Gold Hill to yeah. Ashland. But that's not what it is. But right. that's that that's that was the concept. Right. But unfortunately, what the reality is, is two different things. Yeah. I mean, and you know, and that goes into the drug problem and the homeless problem and the mental health problem. And, you know, that's, yeah, I, I'm not an expert I think on it's that. It's been years talking about that yeah. and it'd still be, but, uh, and I got to pee like crazy. Me too. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up then. We are just shy of an hour and 50 minutes. So we're not going to break the record, but it's been a good one. I really sure. appreciate you coming over, Joe. I, anytime, buddy. He is the general manager at Medford BMW, but he's also a friend, and that's why he's here, because he's got great stories, and it's always good to talk to you, Joe. And uh, he loves great music, which is one of my favorite things about you. But uh, here we are, episode, I think, 44. Honestly, I don't even know, and that's not because of two beers. That's because it's late and it's a Sunday. But uh, we'll wrap it up. You can get it about anywhere, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in, garagetalkpodcast.com. Rate, review, share it with your friends, and appreciate you listening. Joe, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me, buddy.